Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Uh-oh. It's still writ. Uh-oh. Welcome to the program. I am Jim Rome. I don't know if you listened yesterday, but if you did, it's writ. It's lit. He's back for more. We are coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you want to buy a home or refinance your current home, Rocket can. Heads up, off the top, Alvi is again not with us. Meaning, it's Rit is running the board it's yet lit. again. There he is. Right there, Mr. President, and still not rocking a tie. Rit, you knew. You knew. Yesterday was short notice. Today, you knew. How are you not wearing a tie? Rit is a mess. He's like, I don't have five ties. So, wear the one you have. All right, lots to get to today. I just wanted to give you that heads up right off the top. If the show sounds a little bit different, if the vibe is a little bit different, if things get weird and things get awkward, it's because Alvi again is not here. It's kind of a mystery to me why he is not here because the last we saw of Alvin, it was last Friday on his birthday, and he went into his birthday weekend, and he has not emerged. So we're not exactly sure what's going on, only that he's not here, and it's still, wait for it, Rit. That is ridiculous. Last I heard from Alvin, it was his birthday. There was a bottle of vodka in the freezer, and he was trying to make a run to Red Robin. And I have not seen him since. I don't know what's up. So obviously the configuration on the other side of the glass is different. The show's going to sound a little bit different. I've got an extremely graphic take. Off the top, coming up momentarily. I also want to say that right off the top, an extremely graphic take. I'm not setting it up. It's not a joke. An extremely graphic take. Maybe more graphic than any take we've ever had on the program. I want you to know that before I do it. Seriously. This is something that I do not want to talk about. I just don't. It contains numerous graphic details, extremely graphic details. In fact, probably too graphic for some. Know this before I get into this. This is not a setup. This is not a joke. I'm talking about Deshaun Watson. Extremely graphic take in nature. And the content, in fact, I got to be honest, I'm not sure I've ever hit on content this graphic on this show. Graphic enough that I'm not even sure that I can say what I'm about to say on air. I guess we're going to find out. So Deshaun Watson has a new number in Cleveland, and that number is 24, as in 24 civil lawsuits alleging a variety of sexual harassment, misconduct, and assault. The 24th is perhaps the most graphic of all. The allegation is... The 24th suit is in August of 2020, Watson had two massage appointments with a Houston woman in her apartment. The first massage ended early because Watson received a phone call and he left. During the second appointment, things got pretty horrible. Now, I'm not sure how much of this I'm allowed to say on the air, but again, I guess we're going to find out. Here we go. The woman alleges that during the second massage, Watson did not want the draping that is typically used in a massage. Instead, he insisted for a small towel and, quote, insisted on starting the massage with him lying face up, end of quote. Can I again reiterate, this is about to get really graphic in nature. 
You can probably see where this is going already, but I guarantee you have no idea how graphic this is about to get. Initially, Watson is alleged to have said that he wanted the massage to focus on his upper body and abdomen. Quote, he then demanded that she work on his inner thighs and quadriceps. End quote. Now, wait, it gets worse, much worse. And again, I just want to make sure you know this. According to the suit, quote, during the massage, Watson's tone became aggressive as he repeatedly demanded she go higher and higher into his inner thighs and causing her hand to touch his scrotum. End of quote. I'm no expert. But I can't imagine a situation where somebody needs their scrotum massaged. And no, we're not talking about Art Modell here. I'm pretty sure Watson did not show up to that appointment because he had a pulled scrotum. Nobody shows up with a scrotal injury that needs to be massaged. If you have something like that, you don't go to a masseuse. The plaintiff states that she was, quote, very uncomfortable, end quote, and, quote, scared, end quote. But she also did not want to upset him for, quote, fear of retaliation against her small business, end of quote. Again, all of this is alleged. I don't know if it's true. I'm not saying it's true. I'm just reading from the lawsuit. And it's going to get more graphic as I read from the lawsuit. The plaintiff attempted to focus on getting the massage completed, but, and I quote, Watson got an erection, causing the towel to fall off. By this point, Watson was now completely naked and exposed. Watson then started to masturbate. End of quote. This is your new quarterback, Cleveland. This is the guy you mortgaged your future for, Cleveland. This is the guy you traded six draft picks, including three number ones to get, Cleveland. And by the time he had been accused, at that time, he had been accused by 22 women. But that didn't stop you or slow you down. This is the guy you promptly signed to the biggest contract in NFL history. The single biggest contract in NFL history. Five years, 230 mil, all guaranteed. The years are all guaranteed. That money is all guaranteed. All of it. And at that time, the team's owners issued statements that said, quote, they spent a tremendous amount of time exploring and investigating the opportunity to trade for Deshaun Watson, end of quote. And a statement from Kevin Stefanski said that they did, quote, a tremendous amount of background on Deshaun, end of quote. Right, so not only that, not only did they guarantee all that money, But they knew enough to structure his contract so if he was suspended for some of the 2022 season, he was not going to lose that much money. That's how much they love this guy. That's how much they're backing this guy. And if you think that's bad, it still gets worse. Let me go back to the suit. And it gets only more graphic from here. Quote, plaintiff immediately stopped the massage. Apparently responding to the look of shock on plaintiff's face, Watson said to plaintiff, quote, relax, it's okay to touch it. Plaintiff refused Watson's entreaties. Watson then stood up and continued masturbating more aggressively. 
End of quote. So there is your face of the franchise. That's the face of your franchise being accused of masturbating more aggressively, quote, end of quote, during a massage. Like, I don't even know what to say at this point. Like, I don't even have the words. Except it does get worse. Again, he was, quote, masturbating more aggressively, end of quote. Watson is alleged to have asked the plaintiff, quote, where do you want me to put it? End of quote. I told you this was extremely graphic. Like, I'm not even going to address or explain that. Because as the suit continues, and again, I'm reading from the suit. And I want to be very clear. As awkward and uncomfortable as this is, as graphic as this is, I am reading directly from the suit. Quote, plaintiff by this point was in complete shock and could not speak. She froze. Watson quickly ejaculated. Some of his ejaculate got on plaintiff's chest and face. Plaintiff immediately left the room and ran into the bathroom to clean Watson's ejaculate off of her. Watson offered no apology or explanation for his conduct. He instead got dressed, paid plaintiff $150 via cash app, and left. End of quote. Again, Cleveland, that's your quarterback. That's your guy. And as the suit alleges, this is nothing new. Quote, each of the cases against him is strikingly similar, evidencing a habit or custom. Watson seeks out random strangers on Instagram, as he has done more than 100 times. The interaction typically begins with a direct message from Watson. He asks only if they will perform a massage. He doesn't ask about references. Licensure, training, skill set, or competence level. In some cases, massage is not even the woman's specialty. And after being told that, Watson still insists on a massage. End of quote. So based on this description, this is not a guy looking for a massage. This is a guy looking for something else. And whatever you do, do not come in here and tell me that this is normal or this is just how it goes. I've said this for a long time. Plenty of athletes get massages. They find a professional masseuse or massage therapist that they know and they trust, and they stick with that person for years. Or maybe they have two because their body is temple. Their body is their moneymaker. They have to take care of their body. You think they're going to entrust that to somebody who's unlicensed, to a non-professional, to some random, to somebody you just find online that you know nothing about? They don't reach out to more than 100 people on Instagram looking for just anybody to massage them. And they don't escalate the situation to the point that the phrase masturbating more aggressively, end of quote, is used in a legal document. And whatever you do, don't call this misconduct. Like that might be the legal definition or term, but this is not misconduct. Misconduct is like, making a mistake, filling out a form, not masturbating more aggressively during a massage. Like these allegations like are, are so disturbing, so disgusting. And he's been accused of it by two dozen women that we know about. Now, I know some of you, some of you undoubtedly think that they're all lying, that they all made this up. Maybe, maybe, maybe they are. Maybe there's some bizarro world where 24 people made up stories about the same guy. 
If that's the case, then we're looking at one of the all-time biggest scandals ever. If that's the case. If you believe that. The NFL told Charles Robinson that their investigation into Watson is still ongoing. Like, I don't know what they'll do. But I know what the Browns are going to do about this. I know exactly what the Browns will do. Jack squat. Because the Browns are all in on this guy. The Browns knew it when they brought him in. The Browns had absolutely no problem with it. The Browns had no problem with him allegedly exposing himself to numerous women, sexually harassing them, and worse. Not only did they have no problem with it, they gave him the biggest contract in NFL history. They turned the worst things that he could do into the best thing that ever happened to this guy. Make that make sense. So again, I said that this is extremely graphic in nature. I meant that. The last thing I wanted to do was start with that. But with the new allegations, and they are just allegations. I don't know what's true and what's not. Oh, yes. I love that sound. Puts a smile on my face every single time because that is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. What Shopify does is it gives entrepreneurs the resources that were once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and keep you informed effortlessly. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Believe me, I I know this. I've lived this. I know where we started with this podcast and I know where we are right now. I love how Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. They're that good. And like our business, Shopify has powered over millions of others from first sale to full scale. You can reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. So, go to shopify.com slash roam, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Try it for yourself for 14 days. Grow your business with Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash r-o-m-e right now, shopify.com slash roam. <laughs> If you missed hour number one, there's also something else I need to remind you of. The fact that it's writ! Mr. President, thank you for showing up yet again. I don't know where Alvin is. It's writ is in the front row, sitting where Alvin normally sits. If you've been listening or watching, then you already know that. How would you know that? Because every single sound drop is of writ. Bring it on. Another one. Thank you. There, see? Finally. He's settling in. He's got his feet underneath him now. One hit wonder my butt. He is settling in. He found all of his drops. Ritt was probably here overnight practicing, firing all the Ritt drops. Mmm. Mmm. Ambi. So anyway, that's what's going on. I, I do not know where Alvin is. Dutifully, Ike steps up, moves up to the front row. Chalk is in his customary spot. Chocolate. And Cindy is in the back row. Because she is the ultimate teamer. All right, quickly, Chris in Milwaukee writes, Jimmy, I completely understand your situation in regards to where your family is from. My entire life, I thought that I was from the Northeast, but it turns out I was raised in the Deep South. Regards, 
Brian Kelly. It's a great night to be a Tiger. I'm here with my family, and we are so excited in the great state of Louisiana, but more importantly, to be with you great fans and to be part of what is going to be. Wait, you can't be mixing that, right? There's just that one drop. You just found that button, right? There's no way you're mixing that. Anyway, that guy had a good thought on that. Alvi did not get whacked by the cockroach mafia. I know some of you think that. Like, Makmoda. Yo, in regards to the former Mr. Alvin DeLauro, a stern warning to you and your XR4TI crew. Don't mess with Cockroach Nostra. No, he did not get whacked or knocked off by the Cockroach Mafia. I don't know what happened to him. He's just not here. And when I say he's not with us, I mean he's not with us physically. As somebody else pointed out very aptly earlier, when you say that about Rit, you think he's dead. Rit is still with us. Alvin's not at work. I don't know what's up. All right, let's move into hour number two and reset this thing. There are now just a dozen shows left. Time is so weird. D-Dub and I were talking about this last night. Time is so weird. Like, there's, there's so many unaccounted for years, right? Part of that's pandemic. And part of that's just time. Time is weird. We're running out of time. All of us. I don't mean like our mortality. I mean the smack off. Only 12 shows left until smack off 28, June 24th. Which means we are rounding the final turn. We're headed for home for the smack-off season. It is officially now a sprint to the finish. Another horse analogy for you. This is where the real running begins. So, if you have unfinished business around here, now is the time to finish it. Get up off the watch list. Rip your golden ticket. RSVP. Shoot your profanity slash nudity slash illicit substance free 15 second prediction video. Send it to smackoffvideos at gmail.com. Smackoffvideos at gmail.com. If it's not too much to ask, please do it horizontally. You all need to get your affairs in order for the main event. Now I'm going to keep mowing through the player profiles. I've got a big one today because today I'm going to profile a major contender. No, he has never won at all. But I have been touting Caleb in Green Bay, a.k.a. the Lib, for many years. As this generation's Terrence and Sierra Madre, as in best who never win one. It is a big responsibility. It's a major handle. But my dude Caleb has thrown together a crazy impressive string of smack-off results since he came out of nowhere back in 2015. He hit the podium. He snagged third in his debut main event. That's how good he was from the very jump. Since then, he has never missed a top 10. He's had two more top fives. He was back on the podium at SmackOff 25 in 2019. What I'm saying is Caleb gets results. Because Caleb is not just really smart and really funny. He's creative. He knows this show inside out. Which is exactly why I've glossed him the best to never win one. The problem with that gloss as I'm sure Rick in Buffalo or Benny in Wisco would happily point out, is that Caleb has not exactly lived up to it in recent years. Two years ago, at SmackOff 26, he called in with a crappy phone line. Then, last year, this bleep show 
actually happened. Caleb in Green Bay. Caleb, what's up? All right. What's up, Jim? Is this the year Ray Bork finally lit the Stanley Cup? Let's find out. I'm about to blow this thing to H-E-double hockey stick. I thought Dan's call was dark, savage, and borderline over the top, but I liked it better when Dick made that exact same call every year during the 2000. Pick it up. Pick it up. Awfully hard to drop a crown on some dude's head when he busts out of the starting gate. On the big day with 20 seconds of double audio. In fact, this dude is so lucky that he didn't get run right off the biggest stage in sports radio. Fact is, he wasn't because he had built up so much jungle equity that I chose not to break him off. Yeah, it's kind of like the refs the other night. Do you throw Draymond out or not? He's already got that one tee. Do we run him? Do we throw him out? They're on the big stage right now. If for anybody else, maybe so. But Draymond, what he means, it's kind of like where I'm going with that. So I did not break him off. And actually, I'm glad that I didn't because there were gems in that call. A call that was somehow, despite that start, good enough for a fifth-place finish, even with that train wreck start. Jim appeared on the pirate ship with Dan and Stu Gatz and Mike and everybody. He was asked about the smack-off, the six-year streak between Brad and Les, and he did something on that show that he has never done on this show. He actually made a prediction for today. This is uncut audio, courtesy of Dan Lebitar. Take a listen. Let us start right here. Let me just say this. Let me just say that all good things do come to an end. All good things absolutely do come to an end. The streak is finally over the BIC. Brad in Corona and Lef in Laguna will not win Smackoff 27. The winner of the 27th version of the Smackoff will be Caleb in Green Bay. Again, there is going to be a new champ this year. Caleb in Green Bay. You heard him, people. Down the horn, light the lamp. The Stanley Cup of Sports Talk Radio is heading to America's Dairyland. This is for all the Ray Borks out there. Terrence, Jim, Trapper, you are all getting your names engraved. 34 and a half pounds of silver. Champs like us, babe. On Wisconsin. See what I mean? So as long as this guy's not double audioing himself or being stabbed in the back by his own phone connection... Caleb has got major, major game. He's also got a different, more creative, less predictable approach than pretty much any other caller to the program. You saw it right there. I'll give you another example, case in point. That one time he RSVP'd as Buffalo Bill from the Silence of the Lambs. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. Some mood music for the defending champ. Now he's feeling it. And Left takes off his suit. And no, not his new David August thread. I'm talking about his custom Jim Rome suit that he got straight out of Buffalo Bill's basement. He puts on a little lipstick, maybe some mascara, sensually grabs the microphone, stares at Alvin Deloro and says, Would you rack me? I'd rack me. I'd rack me hard. I'd rack me so hard. You tell me who else in the field's got that in them. You tell me who else has that gear. You tell me. So Caleb has that in him. 
He's even used a smack-off call to flash back to 1995, a.k.a. way back to the very first main event, to the great American smack-off. And not only would this throwback call have fit right in on that day, honestly, it might have been good enough to win him that first strap on that day. I would never miss the first annual Great American Smack-Off. I knew that 1995 was going to be all that and a bag of chips, so I'm going to hit this competition harder than Natron means business up the middle on first and goal. Let's get after it, Jim. You know why I take a lot of scuds? Because I get a lot of scuds. And you know this better than anyone. There is a long, long line of callers waiting to take a swing at me like I'm a pinata full of welfare checks, spouting the same unoriginal takes, fat, virgin, lives with his parents. But it just goes to remind everyone that your listeners are not clones of you. They're clones of each other, clogging up the phone lines, jamming up the fax machine day after day for years on end. Would it shock anybody when you open up the fish wrap and see they finally caught the Unabomber? He won't be living in some shack in Montana. He'll be like a mechanic in Escondido wearing an extra sport 690 t-shirt and asking the feds for a drug test drop. Crown, Wisconsin. Huge! You see what I mean about this dude? How has this dude, how has this dude not won this thing before? Quote, that fat virgin who lives with his parents does lay the lumber. He does bring the heat. And when he's on, Caleb is just playing a different game than everybody else. In the very least, He's playing the same game, but at a much different speed. I've even argued that, if anything, he's too smart for his own good. And that more of his material would land if it was more straightforward. But when it lands, when it hits, it hits hard. And yes, he can run straight classic smack as well. In fact, about as well as anybody else. Something Rick in Buffalo knows all too well. Rick, you said yesterday you wanted to start a charity drive to get my stomach stable, but at least I can do something about my physical deformity. I was going to start a GoFundMe to fix yours, but I don't know how much stilts go for these days. But I guess at least we know why his voice is so chalky. It's because he eats handfuls of Flintstones vitamins to try to catch up to his students. And this is all irrespective of his garbage phone call. Rome, think of it this way. Of all the brilliant callers you've had in the past, I Frady, Doc Mike, Sean, Brad, Josh in Detroit. I mean, not only the greats, but the ones the greats aspire to be. But the guy who currently sits atop the jungle power rankings with his little baby legs dangling over the edge has never uttered a more clever phrase than, Caleb is fat, you friggin' moron. I can't comprehend how this guy is so popular, Jim. I will never understand it. Caleb can run straight smack, or he can attack it from a completely different creative angle. And whether you can keep up keep up with him or not, just know he is constantly nodding at the history and legacy of this show. Like this legendary reset from Smack Off 25. Please rise and remove your cap for the singing of our national anthem. Green Bay, he's the man. Caleb and Green Bay's got great smack. Caleb and Green Bay says, I want to win the smack off, yeah. Caleb and Green Bay's a great, 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 great caller to the jungle. It's 
incredible. I mean, incredible. And the thing is, he can win the smack off. In fact, the thing is, I can't believe that he hasn't won the smack off. So is this the year? The best who never have done it. When you hear that, you can't really argue that point, right? The best to never have won it. Is this the year he gets the job done, Rit? It's me. It's me. It's that K-A-L-E-B. Rome Matt in Vancouver just said I couldn't win the smack off because I looked like a porta potty in a camo hat. Pretty rich that he thinks I wear camo when he's the one who's so unnoticeable we literally forgot he was even in the field. Uh, I heard Rick and Buffalo's call yesterday, which is funny because I wasn't listening to the show, but he's so loud it doesn't matter. Hey, Benny and Wisco, seriously, bro, in the first grade, were you hooked on phonics or hooked by a bass fisherman? You sound like Mike Tyson hired a speech therapist. Is it take your grandfather to work day? Seriously, the new guy looks so old. This guy hasn't been around electricity since the last time he flew a kite in a thunderstorm. You have Keith Arnold drinking out of that disgusting cup he never washes. And now you have Benedict Arnold sipping ale from a mug made of whale bone. But it's cool because if the Stew Stew studio ever gets chilly in the winter, you can ask Charles Ingalls over there to chop some firewood for the stove. Can you imagine what would happen if one of these cadavers from the days of yore won the smack off, like Carbone or the Cablinasian? They'd go longer in between titles than Rick in Buffalo when he can't afford a used car. Now, I'm not saying that high school teachers don't get paid very well, but I am saying that to save money on laundry, Rick just showers with his clothes on. He slams one Tide Pod over his melon, another one under his armpits, and a third in his mouth for a light snack. And I've always wondered how Adam Hawk has a worse body than me. Bro, I'm walking around with a front porch that's more like a veranda, but you're the one in the chiropractor's office every couple days. You have the voice of a 20-year-old, the hair of a 60-year-old, and the spine of a 100-year-old. We can all see that Keith Arnold looks like Chael Sonnen let himself go, but I would never say that out loud. Caleb versus everybody. I don't want sympathy. I don't want a pity party. Take your best shot, tough guys. I'll see you in my driveway. A couple of my buddies wanted to remind you of something. Hey, Jim Rome. It's Randy and Jason Sklar. And you know what the smack-off is? It's a walrus game. This dude. Let me tell you about Caleb. And again, I do not play favorites. This is such a good dude. He is a really good dude and a really good caller and a really talented guy and a really different dude with a really different approach. And he's dangerous now. He's dangerous. He's got chops. No doubts about that. We just got to make sure that he's got the right phone, the right connection, no double audio, no echo, no delay, no static. Get rid of all of that and just let him do what he does and his best. His best, to me, very clearly, can beat anybody else's best. My man, just to be sure, Caleb, it's good to show how much I miss this guy. Just to be sure, maybe we do a little run-through. You know, not because I'm concerned about your smack, but because I'm concerned about your phone line. Maybe hit me up before the 24th. That way, we know that, A, you are going to show for the main event. Now, I understand that, A lot of your calls are shrouded in mystery. That's part of your game. You don't need to let us in. I don't need to know exactly what you're going to say. I just need to know whether or not we have any double audio and whether or not your phone's going to actually work. So my man, my guy, drop us a line. It has been way too long. Hit us with an RSVP. Let us know you're coming. Let us know your phone phone is functional. And let me ask you, clones, is this the year? A Charles Angle blast. I mean, any anything he just said. 
works. Is this the year that Caleb finally breaks through? The best to never do it. Who are you going to hit? And does that change the odds? Stucknut. Stucknut's odds are unofficial, but they are live. And they do move sometimes based on the player profile. 1-800-636-8686. My question for you is, who you got? Who do you like this year? Is it the BICs every single year until he doesn't call? Or can somebody rise up and rip it from him? I want your thoughts. And if you want to do a prediction, you know how to do it. Salvador immediately in with Rome. Caleb in Green Bay is the Colin Montgomery of the smack-off. While the BIC is making a winning call, that fat bastard Caleb is on hold at the Lorelei Inn, polishing off a plate of custard, and when you take his call, his blood sugar is spiked so high that he falls apart. I mean, dude, you're entitled to that opinion, no matter how wrong it is. He had some double audio. Not good. Below not good. But you can't say that the stage is too big. You can't say this guy doesn't have the chops. You can't compare this guy to a custard murdering Monty. Caleb's a killer, man. And the reason he's a killer is because he's a genuinely good dude. A genuinely good dude that will carve you. And at times it's been somewhat portly. I'm telling you. That, quote, fat virgin who lives at home is lethal. He is. And creative and talented as hell. Look out. Is this his year? We'll find out. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? Do not make a shake or eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Wild Trapper, because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender, and it's made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef extremely seriously, and you can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried-out, tough beef in a bag? No one. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors. Old Fashioned is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy for those of you who like to take things up a notch. Next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares <laughs> With your beef. New Lakers head coach, Darvin Ham. And, and I like this guy, and I like that hire. I want to make that clear off the very top. I like this guy, and I like that hire. However, he had a presser yesterday, and one of his very first orders of business was to try to convince everybody, and probably himself, that Russell Westbrook, Westbrook. still has value. And that he, for one, is not going to stand for all this West Brick slander. West Brick. My word's not his. But then this dude, the coach, absolutely swerved way out of his lane to defend the indefensible, namely West Brick's play last season. West Brick. He's insisting that West Brick is not, in fact, a shot fighter. Don't get it messed up. Russ is one of the best players our league has ever seen. And there's still a ton left in that tank. I don't know why people tend to try to write him off. I'm going to approach him like I do every player I've ever encountered. 
We're going to talk about our running habits with the ball, without the ball. And again, the, to the, the team, the, the rhythm of the team and, and trying to establish a rhythm with LeBron, Russ, AD, and, and again, share the load defensively and offensively. All right, so that's really interesting, right? Not that any of that is any kind of surprise. Like, what's the guy supposed to say? He's washed. He's faded. I mean, what? Do you expect Darvin Ham to actually tell the truth about Westbrook? You expect to say or expect him to say exactly what he thinks? <laughs> then how the hell are they going to trade him? If he tells you exactly what he thinks about the guy, how are they going to move him? So that's out. And by the way, if they could have traded him, they would have traded him. More likely, they're stuck with him. And now Ham's got to find a way to get the most out of Westbrook. He's got to find a way to get Westbrook to buy in. He's got to find a way to get Westbrook to fit in. He's got to find a way to get something out of Westbrook. All these things that did not happen last season. Like, I get it. And just don't tell me that he believes anything he's saying. Quote, don't get it messed up. Russell is one of the best players our league has ever seen. He still has a ton left in the tank. I don't know why people tend to write him off. End of quote. He said that. He still has a ton left in the tank. Sure he doesn't. And you don't know why people write him off. Let me help you with that, coach. Because he's an aging ball hog who will not accept a role or not accept what he has become. And he's coming off his worst season ever while running with the Lakers, who just had their worst season ever. And Westbrook, as much as anybody, was the reason for that horrible season. And trading for that guy was, in fact, one of the worst decisions that the GM and Rob Lopalenka have ever made. That's why people are writing him off. And they're not wrong to do so either. You know that. I know you know that. I know there's no way you believe what you're saying about this guy. So, my guy, if you have any other questions, you know where to find me. But stop saying that you have no idea why people keep writing Westbrook off when you know exactly why they're writing Westbrook off. Westbrook. Now, I don't want you to go, oh, there goes Rome, hating on the Lakers again. And now it's Darvin Ham's turn. For the record, I actually love the guy. I do. I love the hire. I like Darvin Ham a lot. I think he can be a very good coach. I think he's got some very important qualities in becoming a very good coach. Namely, his background, the way he approaches players, the way he relates to players. This guy's resume is amazing. I mean, he has played for and coached under some incredible coaches. And he's been around players. And he's been around stars. People like Kobe and Giannis. He knows what makes them tick. He knows how to relate to guys like that. Again, I am a big Darvin Ham guy. For the record, to answer that question, why do people doubt Westbrook in Los Angeles or around the league? It's because people saw Westbrook in Los Angeles. That's why. He was a major reason why they went from title favorites in Vegas to the most disappointing team in the history of that franchise. A franchise that has won 17 Larry O's. That's why people are writing him off. Because the great player that you spoke of is Russell Westbrook. The player that we have now here is Russell Westbrook. Westbrook. Rebound, David! 
Memphis. Shot clock at three ahead of the game clock. Russell Westbrook loses it. Loses it. Out of bounds, OKC. Westbrook all the way, but he can't finish it. He was at the rim alone. Rest two out of four from the line so far tonight. Oh, that may have missed everyone. That's going to be another turnover by Westbrook. Air ball, Westbrook. That one deflects, taken by Russ. Russ loses control of it. Not a great sequence. And Russ goes all the way, blows the layup. Underneath, Russ is there. He can't score. Russ was right there and couldn't finish. Pass deflected out to Westbrook. Westbrook tried to jam it. He missed it. Russ in the attacking zone. Pulls up. Wants to use the window and hit the top of the glass. Missed badly on that one. Westbrook. All right. You see, th- that was not his entire career. That was one season. This is why people are writing this guy off, Darvin. This is why people here in Los Angeles know him only as West Brick. West because Brick. that's all they know. That was all from last season. That West Brook guy you're talking about, he ain't coming through the door. Laker fan only knows all of what I just played. And that's not even all of last year. Just some choice highlights. That's the Laker. That's the guy that Laker fan knows, Wes Brick. As far as you getting these guys not named AD to play defense, good luck with that too, coach. Frank Vogel tried that, and you can see where that got him. $47 million can buy a lot of things, but giving that jack to Wes Brick this season is not going to get him to get into a defensive stance. Now That'd be like giving the GM a $150 million budget and asking him to make a great movie only to have him come back with Space Jam 2. Now, if you think that I'm not happy or that I'm mad or I'm here to hate, you're wrong. I am happy. I actually am really happy about all this because I want them to run it back. Not out of hate, but because there's no better content. I'm team content. I don't care who wins and loses. Ever. 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 I only want something to talk about. There is no better team than team content. And right now, in the association, that purple and gold Titanic slamming into that giant glacier is the Larry O of team content. They ripped that hardware last year, and they are looking to defend that title once again. I mean, hate on Darvin. Hell, I like this guy a lot. Especially if reports are true that he is on the verge of making the greatest assistant coaching hire in association history. Because according to The Athletic, he's trying to bring in his former teammate, ball don't lie, Rashid bleeping Wallace. How awesome would that be? Now that's something we need in L.A. Ball don't lie, Sheed. That dude was so skilled. He was so good. Sheed was so amazing. He's right. That ball don't lie. And that dude was so skilled as a big man. So good and so skilled that he can't help but make others great. However, I wonder how that guy's going to mesh with street clothes himself. Sheed being one of the hardest toughest mind over matter cats ever to walk around having to work with well street clothes after the street clothes davis just when i thought that it couldn't get any better it could we might get even better content from this organization 
You tell me, anything is possible in 2022-23. Look, I'm not saying they're going to win anything that matters. They probably won't. I'm saying I can't take my eyes off this train wreck. Hopefully, Sheed can also work on telling the Rambi to stay the hell away from the team. You know how I know that Darvin is the right fit? Because Irv says so. Irv tweeted, quote, he won a championship as a coach with the Bucks and as a player with the Pistons. He knows winning and championship basketball. Oh, shut it down. Let's go home. Case closed. Plan the parade. He won a championship as a coach with the Bucks and as a player with the Pistons. He knows winning and championship basketball. That's your take, Irv? That's the insight that we get from the greatest point guard ever. You literally go on record with that. Like, I can't figure out if Irv is one of the dumbest guys ever or, in fact, is the single smartest guy ever. I mean, does he really thumb that out and think that that's insightful and that he's giving us something that we can't get anywhere else because he's magic and he can see things that nobody else can see because he's magic? I mean, is he really that dumb? Or is he really just that smart and the biggest troll ever and laughing at all of us because we're laughing at him and he hooked us again? I'm asking the question because I really don't know. Like, I want to say that's a parody account and they're just clowning him because it reads so asinine. But the fact that there's a verified blue check there makes me know that it is, in fact, him. I just don't know what he's doing. Is it the dumbest thing ever or the smartest thing ever? And does he really thumb that stuff out and think that it's clever? Or is he just the biggest troll ever? And is he hooking me and everybody else every single time? Are we laughing at him or is he laughing at us? I, I don't know. I really don't know. Can you help me with that? Trade pros. Whether you specialize in service or new construction, Ferguson knows firsthand how much work goes into a long day on the job, which is why we're committed to offering the products and solutions to get every job done right. With over a thousand locations, an unmatched selection of specialty products, tools, and supplies, our pro pickup and Samer next day delivery, you can trust that doing business with Ferguson will be the easiest part of your hard day's work. Visit ferguson.com to find a counter location near you. We start right now by having a conversation with a legal expert for Sportico. He is an attorney. He is a law professor. He is a sports and entertainment law director, in fact, at UNH, author of Court Justice with Ed O'Bannon and the Oxford Handbook of American Sports Law. It has been a moment or so, but I am pleased to say that Michael McCann joins us once again. Michael, good morning. Good to have you. How are you? I'm doing great, Jim. Thanks for having me back on. Good to have you back on. I appreciate it. So, Michael, yesterday a 24th lawsuit was filed against Deshaun Watson. The details are extremely graphic. I did discuss them at the very top of the program. What was your initial reaction to what is laid out in that suit? Yeah, Jim, and I I heard your conversation earlier in the show. You really explained all of the key parts of it. I would say from a legal standpoint, this is certainly another worry for Deshaun Watson. It also is a reminder that this isn't a closed universe of potential plaintiffs. This, this is 24 people with active cases against him that have been brought over, over a year. And who knows if there are other potential lawsuits. And that has to be a worry not only for him, but for the Browns and the NFL. Because if the NFL, before the start of camp, the Browns training camp, 
the 28th of July, the other lawsuits later, and he could be. This is it's really a tough legally. Let me pick that up, Michael. I'm sorry about that. Your connection is cutting in and out, and we can't have that, especially given the subject matter here. Rit settling in nicely with the Dana White music. This is what we do when we have a disconnect with a guest. We're talking to Michael McCann. He is a legal expert, and he heard the show open and was reacting to it. He actually started to talk about something I was going to ask him. The fact of the matter is, it's not a class action suit. It's not a class action suit. There are 24 separate active lawsuits against Watson. So I was going to say, what is the significance of that, and what does that mean for Watson going forward? And Michael McCann started to answer that already. Michael, welcome back. Sorry about that. There was not a clear connection, but why don't you finish that thought, if you don't mind? Sure, sure, Jim. Sorry, sorry about the connection. So the, uh, the, the big thing is there are 24 lawsuits. How is he going to resolve all of them when it's not a class action? There are 24 plaintiffs, each of whom could have their own demands in terms of not only money, but in terms of what he would have to say in a settlement to make it worthwhile to settle the case. There's also the issue of who knows how many other lawsuits there are. The NFL is going presumably to suspend him before training camp starts on the 28th of July. That means that if there's additional lawsuits later on, he might be suspended again. That's got to be a worry for him, for the Browns, and the league. We're talking to Michael McCann. I was going to ask you about that. I'm glad you answered that that way. Michael, last week, Watson's attorney was on the radio in Houston and raised the topic of a, quote, happy ending. He went on to say, quote, I do want to point out, if it has happened, it's not a crime, okay? Unless you were paying somebody extra or so to give some type of sexual activity, it's not a crime, end of quote. And then Michael, he added, quote, doing something or saying something or being a way that makes you uncomfortable is not a crime, end of quote. For you, how surprising and problematic is that statement, given what can be inferred from that statement? Yeah, Jim. So, and Rusty Harden's a great attorney. He's had a ton of success over his careers. But, but I, I don't think that that was a wise comment on his part. And I say that because, one, the new lawsuit references it. So they're already using it against Harden and, by extension, his client, Watson. And the problem is that, yeah, he's, what he's saying is technically true, if there's consensual sexual relations after a massage and the payment doesn't reflect that, then that's not prostitution and that's not a crime. But the problem is what is alleged in the lawsuit, as you noted earlier in the show, the argument is that he's going into these sessions without any interest in the, in the qualifications of the therapist, whether or not they have references, that he appears most interested, at least based on what's portrayed in the lawsuit, that he's most interested in some type of sexual activity. Well, that goes against the argument that he's paying for massage therapy. If he's paying for some, something related to sex, then it morphs closer to prostitution, which is a crime and is not an effective defense against a civil claim. Legal expert Michael McCann joining us. All right, then, to that point, Michael, earlier this year, a grand jury declined to indict Watson on criminal charges. Does that mean he's out of the woods when it comes to criminal issues relating to these matters or no? No. So double je- so the Fifth Amendment protection against double jeopardy doesn't attach in a grand jury proceeding. So he could be charged again. He could be charged, I should say, for the first time. There could be another grand jury at some point. I don't think that's likely. But here's the problem. There are 24 cases. 
who knows what kind of information is going to come out of these cases because there's pretrial discovery. If a prosecutor wants to reconvene and have another grand jury as possible, prosecutors run grand jury proceedings. So, yeah, I mean, it's still a potential risk for him. I don't think it's likely, but he has to be careful in what he says. And that goes back to if he's going to settle these cases, what is what does he have to say to make that happen? What does he have to make say publicly or in a written statement? And could that be problematic for him in terms of criminal law? I mean, there are a lot of factors here. It's really complicated. Michael McCann joining us. That's why I have you. Now, the NFL, Michael, has been investigating this for quite some time. Based on how they've handled off-the-field conduct in the past, what is your sense as to how they'll approach punishment this time? Well, the, the one distinction here here is that it's a different process than we saw in the past. There's a neutral person, former judge, a retired judge, Robinson, She's going to make the initial decision on whether or not he committed personal misconduct. And assuming it tracks uh, other situations like this, although this is really a weird situation, right, Jim? In 24 lawsuits, when, when have we seen this in any context, let alone the NFL? But if she finds that his behavior, it doesn't have to be illegal. It just has to violate the league's conduct policy. It's an employment matter then she would recommend some sort of suspension. I imagine it's a, it would be a lengthy suspension, certainly you know six, eight games. I mean, I'm speculating, but we don't know that she'll necessarily find him at fault. She might decide that there's not enough evidence. And then the NFL or Watson can appeal her decision, and it goes to Goodell. So Goodell can still have final say over this, but it's just a longer process than in the past. We are talking to Michael McCann. So, Michael, while I have you on, let me switch topics for a moment and talk to you about Live Golf and the PGA Tour. Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, and others are joining Live Golf ahead of its first event this weekend. The PGA Tour obviously is not happy about this. How do you see the PGA Tour responding? Well, yeah, you're right. They're not happy about this. And and it's interesting that the golfers, like Johnson at least, is quitting the tour rather than trying to do both. So he's trying to really prevent the tour from punishing him. If the tour tells a golfer you can't do both, that golfer could, at least in theory, bring an antitrust case against the tour, arguing that it has effectively a monopoly on elite golf services. And that could trigger litigation. The tour could also conceivably pursue litigation uh, over its golfers quitting, but they're independent contractors. And that's, that's a hurdle for the tour, unlike, say, the NBA or NFL, where they're employees of the team and they're members of a union that bargain a CBA and antitrust laws off the board, different situation here. So I, I imagine the tour is probably hoping that, that not many other golfers do what Dustin Johnson did. But if the number gets high, you got to think they're going to do something. All right. So it is early, but how likely is it that this does go to court? And then how do you see it playing out? I think it's unlikely that it goes to court in terms of any kind of trial, but I do think if the PGA Tour starts suspending or banning golfers, we'll see litigation over that. We'll see antitrust litigation specifically over that. And Live Golf could also sue the PGA Tour in that that situation. So I think it's possible. Do I think it's likely that we see lawsuits anytime soon? Probably not, but this is so fast moving. Look at look at what's happened just in the last week with that with that controversy, and who knows what's next. 
We're talking to Michael McCann. Michael, before you go, let me bounce back. One more thought about Deshaun Watson. You know, the Browns, when they made that deal with him, he was already facing 22 lawsuits when they made the deal for him and signed him to the largest contract in NFL history. At that time, there was a statement from head coach Kevin Stefanski saying they did, quote, a a tremendous amount of background on Deshaun. What kind of background do you think they actually did, in your opinion? yeah, well, it sounds like they didn't, re- at least based on what we've heard, they didn't reach out to the accusers. So that's, that's a pretty significant group not to contact. Now, they can say they don't want to tamper with the litigation. That's fine. But let the attorney, Tony Busby, decline a request uh, rather than just assume that it's inappropriate to reach out to them. That's one criticism that could be made of the Browns. I imagine the Browns did talk to former teammates of Watson, former coaches, former scouts, who probably will provide insight about not only him as a player, but his conduct off the field. But to the extent they didn't talk to those who are accusing him, that really omits a key group, certainly in this situation. Do you think that they have any buyer's remorse, or do you think they pretty much knew exactly what they were getting into and what they signed up for? I'll tell you, Jim, they knew, like you said, they knew there were 22 lawsuits. I mean, when have we seen 22 lawsuits brought by 22 alleged victims against the same person concerning sexual misconduct. I mean, this is, this is a really unique scenario. I have to think they knew what they were getting into. And I'm, I'm guessing they probably think, and they might be right, that this is the worst, that the NFL will suspend him. He'll serve some sort of suspension. He'll then try to settle the cases. And we know the, the attention span of all of us, uh, it will move on to other things. So there's a chance that gamble might be right, but I'll tell you, if it turns out that there are lawsuits that are like a faucet, we got one this month, another one next month, that, that's going to be a lot harder to pull off. As you point out, Michael, this is a really complex topic, which is why I came looking for you. He is a legal expert for Sportico. He is an attorney. He is a law professor. He is a sports and entertainment law director at UNH and the author of Court Justice with Ed O'Bannon and the Oxford Handbook of American Sports Law. Michael, great to get caught up, and thank you very much for your insight and helping to elaborate on this very complex topic. Thanks, Jim. Michael McCann joining us. You know, anytime I go looking for him, it's because it's something much bigger than us. And he always does a great job of breaking these matters down. So before he came on, there was a bump back prediction for the smack off. And I thought to myself, that's wild. Phil Jackson is predicting Jackson is predicting Paul's dog. But it wasn't. It was Craig in Long Beach. Hey, Chuck, really quickly. I want you to tell them once again, and we'll get into it later on in the profile, but as I go to break at the end of hour number one, if they can't get on the air during the smack off, they can get on the air prior to it with a prediction. How do they do so? Smack off videos at gmail.com. 15 seconds, no longer than that. Shoot it horizontally. Don't do anything stupid in that video, and you can get on national television. How would you define stupid? Uh, do drugs. Hit do somebody, sex. do sex, weird violence, weird anything. Do profanity. Yeah. All right, nice job, Chuck. Hey, and Rit, really good job getting his sound bed underneath him like that. Well played. Oh, yes. I love that sound.
Puts a smile on my face every single time because that is the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. What Shopify does is it gives entrepreneurs the resources that were once reserved for big business. So upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and keep you informed effortlessly. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Believe me, I I know this. I've lived this. I know where we started with this podcast and I know where we are right now. I love how Shopify has the tools and resources that make it easy for any business to succeed from down the street to around the globe. They're that good. And like our business, Shopify has powered over millions of others from first sale to full scale. You can reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. So, go to shopify.com slash roam, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Try it for yourself for 14 days. Grow your business with Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash r-o-m-e right now, shopify.com slash roam. All right, last segment. As promised, we are joined right now by the driver of the number four car for Stuart Haas Racing, 2014 NASCAR Cup Series champ, a two-time NASCAR Xfinity Series champ, 58 career NASCAR Cup Series wins, winner of the Daytona 500, the Coca-Cola 600, the Brickyard 400, the Southern 500, three top fives, seven top tens this year. You have the Toyota Save Mart 350. It's Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern on F. S1. Kevin Harvick joins me now. Kevin, it's been a minute or two since you and I have last spoken. How you doing? How's life right now, Kevin? Oh, it's everything's everything's going good. Life is um as as you know, it's well first off, it's great to be back on the show. It's you guys always do a great job and it's always fun being on, but um you know, for for uh, for us life is back to normal. Appearances and um races and simulators and my son's racing all the time. He races more than I do. So it's uh, life is a lot to keep up with right now. You know, I'll say, and it's good to have you back, Kevin. I appreciate that. I'm going to ask you about your son in a moment. You know, I've talked to a couple of drivers over the course of the season about the next-gen car. I want to ask you about that and about the changes it represents. What do you make of the next-gen car, and how much have you had to adapt to it? And what's it been like changing? Yeah, well, I don't know that I've made the, the full, you know, uh, you know adapt and adapting to it fully. Um, you know, there's just, there's so many things that are just drastically different than, than what we have done in the past. And, you know, it's everything from the, the pedals and the way that they feel and the way that it shifts. And, um, you know, but, you know, I think all that uncertainty has translated into some pretty wild races. And, you know, I think, um, as, as we've gone through the year, for the most part, we've had, we've had great races, um, you know, pretty much everywhere that we've been. So it's been, um, it's been challenging it's been good it's been bad it's been ugly uh we've been all over the place we we have found uh, no rhythm um as as we've gone through this year of consistency to to do uh the the things that that we've done in the past but um kind of is what it is we've we've torn up too many cars and, and made some mistakes and, and had a lot of things happen um but you know i think as as you go through that it's um you know there's there's a long ways to go we're not even halfway yet i know that that's hard to say but uh, we, we aren't even halfway yet where we get done with this weekend. So lots, lots left to do, but uh, it's definitely been up and down and 
lots of challenges in between. See, that's what I miss about talking to you. It's a really candid response, and I appreciate that a lot. You mentioned this weekend you're going to race in Sonoma this weekend. Now, that is a place where you won five years ago. So what are your early thoughts going into this race? Yeah, well, for for me, I'm excited about going to Sonoma for purely for the fact that I know the direction of all the corners. So uh, most of these new courses that we went to last year, I'd never been to in my life, and and um, you know trying to trying to teach a you know 46 year old guy uh, you know how to go uh, you know to to new racetracks and learn new corners that have more than more than four is uh, sometimes a challenge. But Sonoma, I've been I've been at I know like the back of my hand and and. You know, I think for for us is is always a race that we have circled on the calendar because uh, we have had had good success there uh, through, throughout the years. It's been a, a great racetrack for not only our team, um, you know, over the last eight or nine years, but even before that. So uh, I get to see a lot of a lot of family and friends. And Sonoma's become when I first started, nobody wanted to race at Sonoma. Nobody wanted to go to the road courses. Nobody wanted to come watch. And now you can't you you can't get enough pit passes for everybody to come show up because everybody wants to go to Sonoma and. They all want to go out there and drink wine and and you know hang out for the weekend. So it's uh, you know it's a, it's it's become a destination race and and always one that we have circled on our calendar. I was going to say, Kevin. Actually, Sonoma is a blast. Sonoma is a lot of fun. I can see where people want that ticket. Now you mentioned as a 46 year old guy, it's kind of tough at times. I read part of your resume off the very top. I can only read part because if I read the whole thing, there wouldn't be time for us to talk about other things. This is the kind of career you've had. But I can hear it in your voice. Like you're not satisfied. You're still hungry. You're still coming after it. Where where is your head at? Like where's your headspace? And what motivates you and keeps you hungry at this point of your racing life? Yeah, you know, I think that that challenge. This is this is a you know, it's a, it's a big challenge to you know to, to reteach yourself how to how to do a lot of things and, and retrain yourself how to how to race and and you know some of the characteristics that that come with this new car. So you know, I think for for me that's that's really the biggest part of the challenge. And and yeah, I like racing with the guys on my team. You know, Rodney's been with me the whole the whole stint that that we've had at, at Stuart Haas Racing, along with several other guys on the team and. And, you know, we've, we've had a lot of success together. And, and, you know, I think as you look at the, at the last eight years, you know, you, you know, you was, I wouldn't, I don't want to say it was easy, but it was, it was, it was easier than, than what we're, what we're dealing with now. And it's just, now it's a different challenge. Um, so, you know, I think those things are intriguing and, and fun to try to um, break that code and, and get, get that, that uh, consistency and rhythm back and, and get, get the car back to victory lane. So, Kevin, you joke that your son, Keelan, is actually racing more than you are. He's starting to make a real name for himself as well in the business. What's it been like for you to be a part of that, to share that journey, and to watch him grow as a driver? Well, it's been a little bit of a challenge just because, you know, you, you obviously, you know, are dad as well. So, you know, trying to trying to navigate, trying to teach him the things that you think he should and shouldn't do, um, you know, behind the wheel, and then also show that, that support off the racetrack. So, you know that's a that's a fine line of of uh, where where that line is as far as you know how hard you push him and the and the things that you do and and you know I think for for him he um, you know really if it wasn't for COVID we we wouldn't have started racing because he he got tired of sitting around and and we went to the go kart track and and started racing carts and next thing you know we're racing them all over the country really all over the world um, so it's it's um, you know it's been it's been a lot of fun and and you get to see that growth. Um, but it's also taught me a lot about why I like to race. I, I love to race because you go back and you see those kids and you see their dreams of they want to be where you are. And, you know, seeing that enthusiasm, you know, at a young age and, you know, whether it's from the parents or, you know, from the kids or, 
young adults or whoever it is, you know, you, you, you start to remember why you race and, and what, what that, that, what that was like before you actually got to the top level. So you see that, that raw enthusiasm of, of just the love of racing again. And, and that for me has been very refreshing. Kevin, I know exactly what you're saying. As somebody who's done this even longer than you've done that, I know exactly what you're talking about. You want to reach back. You want to get that same kind of chip and that same kind of drive and that same kind of love. I, I know exactly what you're saying on a different level, a different game, a different sport, whatever, a different job. You know, you mentioned the go-kart track, though, and you mentioned the kids. You also have made the point that when you go to the go-kart track and you see these kids, they actually don't want to race Indy cars. They want to race F1 cars. They all want to drive the Ferrari or the Red Bull. That was actually your quote. What do you think when you see and hear that from them well it's very interesting because you know i think you know from a from a racing standpoint a lot of people look at go-kart racing as you know an outlet to open wheel cars and you know i think you know the reason that i put keelan into go-kart racing is because i felt it like it was a great foundation for racing in any direction that that you want to go but when you look at you know a lot of these a lot of these kids that that are in carts you know that's that's what they want to do and you know, I think, um, you know, being around and, and having a couple of the young kids and, in, in, you know, with, with Brick Cruz and, um, you know, the kids that have come through the management company that we've taken straight from go-karts and put into stock cars. Uh, we put them in the Trans Am cars. They've gone late model racing. And, you know, they're immediately up to speed. And, and that kind of proves the point of go-kart racing is a great foundation for any form of racing that you want. Now it's it's really just teaching and uh, the parents and the kids that F1 is not really, there's not really that many outlets for those kids to go race in F1. That, that dream is, 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 is a, is a far fetched dream. And, you know, I think as we go forward, I think one of the challenges and one of the things that I would enjoy being a part of is, is teaching the parents and the kids that there are outlets in our country where you might not be a professional racer, but you can still go enjoy the sport as a gentleman racer and sports car um, you know, you can still take those stars and make them NASCAR stars. You know, you're still going to have some that chase that Formula One dream. But helping show these families and kids that there are other outlets in our country um, is important to express and, and show uh, that the parents and the kids. And, and I think us being in the go-kart side of things is, um, you know, is, is a little bit eye-opening and uh, to to the other kids and parents and and with like I say with a couple of the kids that we've taken straight from carts you know and tried to you know start pushing them on the on the um, stock car side of things has has worked out well. Kevin Harvick is my guest. All right, since I asked you about Keelan, before you go, I want to ask you about your daughter, Piper. There's this amazing video of Piper bombing around at the Harvick Brickyard. She's locked in behind the wheel. For those who do not know, how old is she? And then how fired up are you when you see her driving? <laughs> yeah, so we have a couple carts that we run around the driveway at home, and that's that's really where where Keelan started as well. So uh, I have a four year old daughter, uh, Piper, who um, races around the driveway. But I'll just I'll just let you know it's a much different experience than 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 I had with Keelan because sometimes we stop and we have to pick flowers. <laughs> sometimes the other day she spun out. Uh, she didn't like that. She got out of her go kart, turned it off, walked in the house, told me she was done, and she didn't like that. So. Mm. You know, it's uh, it's it's a it's a very um, it's 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 fun because it's so drastically different than Keelan, and we're we're supposed to go practice at the real racetrack this Thursday for the first time with Piper. And yesterday, she told me that she wasn't going; she didn't want anything to do with it, and to quit asking her. So 
that's where we are today, two days before we're supposed to be there. How about that? He is the driver of the number four car for Stuart Haas Racing, the 2014 NASCAR Cup Series champ. Again, this weekend, the Toyota Sabar 350 is Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern. It's on FS1. Kevin, as I mentioned, it had been too long since you and I got caught up. It's great to have you back on the show. Thank you very much. Good luck this weekend, and let's do it again soon. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Always good to have you, Kevin. Kevin Harvick joining us. He's had a great career. Great career. Not done yet. I want to thank the XR4TI for stepping it up. Where is Alvi? When is he coming back? I don't know the answer to either one of those questions. So thanks to Ike in the front row, Cindy in the back row, Chalk, D-Dub, The Head. Clones, do better. Notice I'm not thanking any of you. Do better. Step it up. Get up in here tomorrow. Make it better. Good night now!